welcome to the Evidence Informed Teaching Podcast. Are you a teacher wanting to improve your classroom practice and deliver excellent teaching through access to research? Do you have a passion for teaching and are looking to connect with other like-minded colleagues through professional discussions? The Charter College has partnered with TeacherTap to support teachers to deliver excellent teaching through access to research and we invite you to be part of this community. On this podcast you will hear from fellow teachers, research experts and you have the opportunity to be part of this professional discussion. You can find out more about the Charter College of Teaching and TeacherTap in the show notes and if you find this episode helpful why not share it with a teacher friend take a screenshot and post it on your social media or even better leave us a five-star written review so hello and welcome everybody to the new episode of evidence-informed teaching the joint podcast from the chartered college of teaching and teacher tap Today we'll be talking about a really important issue in education and one that unfortunately is often overlooked Um, which is the issue of teacher well-being. We'll be taking a close look at the research on teacher well-being and its links to student mental health and outcomes. And this will be followed by another joint episode with education support focusing specifically on well-being in ethnic minority teachers, in which a group of educators will share their lived experiences. As always, in these episodes, I'm joined by Karen Vespiza from TeacherTap, who will share the latest insights on teacher well-being and student well-being, and Lisa Maria Muller, our Head of Research, who will share some of the college's research on teacher well-being. And today I'm delighted to introduce our special guest, who is Dr Rachel Briggs. Rachel is a former primary teacher, SENCO, DSL and Deputy Head. She has a doctorate in education where her research focused on teacher well-being and how it can be supported when teaching pupils experiencing vulnerabilities and or trauma. She now offers reflective supervision to school staff and training on understanding and supporting educators' work-related psychological well-being. Karen, what's TeacherTap finding out about how, how teachers are feeling now? Yeah, stepping back a little to, to look at the broader picture of, of teacher mental health, um, self-reported through TeacherTap. Our data from December last year revealed that 10% of teachers had had to take time off work during 2022 due to stress, depression, anxiety or other mental health problems. When I looked at this data I had a hypothesis like you were kind of saying there Alison that it was going to be more prevalent amongst head teachers and senior leaders than class teachers but actually and this comes I think very closely to what Rachel has been explaining to us the opposite is true 12% of class teachers had to take that time off for mental health reasons compared to only 6% of heads which is quite interesting it's it kind of validates that idea that the front line being there with the children every day is potentially very stressful we have also asked about burnout and it was interesting that Rachel mentioned that as something that's perhaps more commonly understood amongst teachers at least in kind of a understanding what the term means maybe not in its most clinical sense but I think we have a a greater awareness so we've asked about that term for quite a while Um, and two-thirds of teachers um, have told us that they have experienced some feelings of burnout at work such as physical or emotional exhaustion. Um, Wow two-thirds yeah yeah and this time actually you see that more amongst head teachers than classroom teachers um being concerned about this 
and it does seem to be getting worse I'm afraid I, I wish I could give you some good news um so we've been asking since 2018 and I suppose that one bit of one thing to hang on to perhaps is whilst the trend overall is that fewer teachers are reporting that there's no burnout at all it does depend very much on the time of year so you think about the kind of cycle of the school year you can figure out <laughs> generally teachers feel a little bit better perhaps after they've been a bit more rested and a little bit worse when you're heading towards the end of term so it's thinking about it perhaps in that way that hopefully this isn't a continual feeling we ask how they're feeling at this given point one other finding just to share with you and it might be quite interesting for Rachel to explore and, and to tell me if this seems like a, a valid concern as well, was when we asked, if you feel stressed or worried at work, who are you most likely to seek help from? Um, and we gave this a list of response options, including all sorts of medical and mental health professionals. But the top answer, 65% of teachers said, from a colleague in a similar role to myself. So this idea of contagion is perhaps not just from the children, but mm. it's also from colleagues and colleagues leaning on other colleagues. And I don't want to in any way suggest that you shouldn't lean on your colleagues, but just saying that teachers do talk to other teachers and teachers, I think, probably feel that other teachers can understand this better than a lot of other people. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's the case. Rachel, have you got a response to that? Yes, definitely. Um, again, that was something that came up in, in my research was around um, teachers meeting the needs of the children, but also of their colleagues. And one in particular comes to mind that said she ended up you know, really having four minutes of a lunch break because it was a stream of people coming in. She was the experienced teacher and she was having lots of colleagues coming in, asking her for advice or wanting to offload. Um, the other thing, though, that was interesting in my research was that people um, wanted to speak to people from a teaching background, but not necessarily people that they were in the same school as because they were concerned maybe about sitting across the room in a staff room and they think, oh, well, maybe I wish I hadn't told them that or I wish they didn't know that about me. Um, will that affect the way that they see me? So they did want to speak to somebody who was external which isn't necessarily the most helpful. So when I go in and do supervision, I walk out because it's confidential. I can't pass on that information to anybody. So I walk out knowing some really interesting things that will be useful to feedback, but I can't because it's confidential. So you know, ideally people need to feel psychologically safe, don't they, in, in the workplace um, and be free to share how they're feeling. And currently they don't, which is largely down to the accountability and being seen to not be coping and then almost if I say that I'm struggling with this I'll be put on a su support plan that is anything but supportive. <laughs> so we're coming back again aren't we to the culture of the school and you know I think my feeling would be that that, that, that experience that the teachers may have or the adults may have in the school of feeling like I can't really show how much this is getting to me because I might be blamed for it is also presumably something that the students also feel. So within the whole community, it, it would only build anxiety, it strikes me. Lisa Maria, we, we're talking about where can teachers go to express their concerns. And of course, Education Support is a tremendous charity that does a, a, a huge amount. They've just produced a report, particularly looking at how the pandemic has impacted the well-being of teachers 
from the global majority. Can you tell us a bit more, just to give us a flavour of, of what that report is showing, please? Um, yeah, so um, we've collaborated with education support, actually, um, asking teachers about um, the, the factors that are impacting their well-being, their mental health and their well-being most negatively. And um, wrote that up into um, a letter to the Secretary of State at a time we had over 1000 um, teachers responding to us and uh, replying and they identified four key areas, uh, which were administrative tasks that had no impact on student learning. So um, the things that's not to say that teachers feel that administrative tasks aren't important. Of course, there is an understanding in the profession that certain administrative tasks are simply part of um, the job of teaching. But I think we're also all aware um, that in some schools, due to various reasons, there is um, a lot of administrative work going on that teachers feel has no impact on their student learning. And they feel like that is impacting due to the extra workload that creates. And we obviously know. Um, the impact that um, workload has on teacher well-being and mental health. This administrative burden is particularly um, negative for teacher mental health and well-being. For example, the TES um, well, teacher well-being report that was just published um, not that long ago has also highlighted, again, issues uh, with teacher well-being despite um, teacher workload, sorry, um, despite various initiatives um, that are going on um, across the country. Another point um, that was highlighted in that joint work was introduction of new initiatives and expectations um, without proper planning and support. And we saw that very much um, during the pandemic when guidance was issued and then it was overthrown or guidance was issued on a Friday with the ex expectation to be implemented by Monday. And uh, we definitely saw in our research um, the negative impact that it had on teachers. Um, of course, the pandemic, we can now say, is an, uh, is an exceptional circumstance. Um, nobody really knew what was going on. Um, plans were changed and implemented um, relatively quickly. But we also know that that is, also, is going on um, outside pandemics um, as well, um, that there are changes in, um, in government, changes in leadership. Um, it, even without it um, being um, due to changes in government, there can be changes in school leadership um, that can come with new initiatives um, that overthrow old ones that create workload and have an impact on well-being. A lack of support staff in schools and obviously Alison you mentioned um, teaching assistants and we know how important teaching assistants are in supporting um, students learning um, and students socio-emotional needs so the lack of support staff in schools has a negative impact on teacher um, well-being and teacher mental health so of course the numbers showing that um, um, an increasing number of head teachers are struggling to recruit um, teaching assistants um, and the fact that um, teaching assistants due to the um, cost of living crisis are looking for um, other employment are really, really worrying. And finally, uh, and I'm sure Rachel will have um, even more to say about that, um, preparation for offset inspections um, was an issue that came through very, very strongly um, in our data. And again, that's not to say that teachers disagree with the need of an accountability system. I think there is a strong understanding in the sector that accountability is important, teaching quality is important. However, this feeling um, that there is additional work that needs to be done specifically in preparation for an offset inspection over and above the usual teaching um, was felt by our respondents um, as having a negative impact on their well-being. Rachel, do you have any response to what Lisa Maria has just been um, sharing about 
our recent research. Yes, I do. And again, my research and work beyond and obviously from being in the sector would highlight all those kind of things that came out. Um, when I analysed them in my research, um, I was looking and I ended up developing, well, I started off with a framework based on literature of the kind of things that were stressful um, and why. And then I refined that and so developed a framework for understanding educators' psychological well-being in the workplace. Um, and it was built around, I started with the health and safety executive stress management standards um, and then added a couple to them. So just I'll read out what they are and then you can see the overlap with what Lisa Maria was talking about. So they're change, demands, which tends to focus on workload, but my work was focusing also on the emotional demands and the weight, which you can't measure in time. And I think that's often a problem that's uh, something that's overlooked. Um, looking at the role and the multiple roles, the relationships, the level of control that people have and the amount of support, which is to do with training, emotional appraisal support, as well as the instrumental support that, that goes with teaching assistance, the learning support assistance, whichever um, you're calling them. So there was that side of things around understanding the environment. And I think that's where so much research goes into burnout because it's looking at the environmental conditions. What I did in my research was I, I brought those together with psychological needs satisfaction theory with um, DC and Ryan. So, and this I think is why Ofsted is such a problem. Um, is it results in controlled motivation. So you are doing things that you don't believe in. So whereas autonomous motivation is around things that you enjoy and you value. And I think so much of what's going on in schools now is around that controlled motivation, which is doing things to either gain a reward or avoid punishment or for approval, motivation or for avoidance of shame. So, so I think that's really important. And then the other element of that is around um, what they call, DC and Ryan call, a motivation. And I think this is also really important because it links into fairness. And Ofsted, I think by many is seen as not being a level playing field and isn't fair because you have to work harder perhaps to be able to get an outstanding judgment if you're working with children that are going to struggle to meet the threshold of Know, what's expected in terms of exam outcomes so a motivation is that lack of motivation or intention that stems from no matter what you do I'm not going to be able to make a difference and I think that's that's really key and then the three psychological needs just very quickly from from DC and Ryan from the self-determination theory is autonomy which isn't just around having control over when you do things it is around that volition doing things freely so even though you are told you must do this that and the other if you agree with it and you enjoy it it's not as detrimental to your well-being as doing tasks that you don't agree with which is what Karen and, and Lisa Maria have, have both said and then the belonging element which is around feeling part of something feeling valued feeling respected collective efficacy as well as you know being able to do things on your own feeling that things are fair and that where they're not fair, one thing that's often missing, particularly with Ofsted, as, as has been found over the years, is that you can't really make a complaint 
<laughs> or if you do, they monitor their own complaints and it's very difficult to overturn a judgment or a particular or a particular aspect. And then finally, the one that they say is um, competence. So it's around feeling competent in what you're doing and being judged isn't necessarily the best way to feel competent, being, being supported and working together, doing lesson study, something like that, rather than lesson observations can be much better for fee feeling, increasing feelings of competence. And then they feed into positive emotions, psychological availability, so you can focus on others rather than focusing on self-protection. And then finally, self-acceptance was really important. So feeling that you're that you're valued, that you're happy with what your career has amounted to. I mean, there's big challenges, but there's certainly one of the reasons that, that I've, I lead the Chartered College is because I believe that the profession needs to self-regulate much more and, and actually rise above the accountability system so that you've got a, a culture within your school that is driven by the, the best needs of the children and colleagues within it and that, that you're doing absolutely everything that you can and the inspection system they come they go but they're not the be all and end all because actually it's our professionalism our knowledge that, that is the most important aspect of what it means to be a teacher and that's essentially where I would love us to get to through the chartered college and through things like studying to be a chartered teacher or a chartered leader I think that does build individual efficacy it builds a much greater sense of purpose and understanding why am I doing what I'm doing and what's the evidence to to back up the decisions I'm taking so therefore I can feel I can exercise some autonomy and agency and feel actually I know what I'm talking about so it's it's the very opposite of, of helplessness which you know we've been sharing in this podcast. Karen, do you have any examples from TeacherTap of strategies that people are using to overcome some of these terrors? <laughs> yeah, we found very similar things to what, what's been discussed from the other research as well um, around workload um, and around the administrative requirements. Um, one other thing that we found um, that teachers said would improve their well-being that hasn't been mentioned um, is about leaders improving their communication. Um, so I think it's that idea of feeling informed, understanding why you're doing things, which I think kind of makes sense with what we've talked about. But to try and leave us on a, a positive note, because it's all been a little bit uh, depressing, hasn't it? I think the data shows us that schools are aware of these issues, leaders are aware of these issues. Um, so we know from TeacherTap that around half of schools now have a mental health or well-being policy in place, which I think is a, a good move from perhaps where we've, we've been in the past. And three quarters of teachers say that the leaders in their school care about their well-being, which is heartening um, and a similar proportion report that if they approached a manager with concerns about their own mental well-being they're confident that they would be well supported so within schools I think we are doing a, a, as good a job as we can within the constraints of looking out for each other. Yeah I mean schools are amazing communities and when a school is flourishing it's it's all about how everybody in the community is cared for, not just the students. And, you know, we can't, you can't have a, a flourishing school where the students are looked after and everybody else is left <laughs> to one side. Rachel, any top tips from you? Yeah, I think it, it comes down to 
being kind really doesn't it and and feeling like you belong somewhere so it is just so many things are around you know people complain about having to do yoga and things like that enforced yoga sessions but actually it is around just being kind smiling in the corridor saying hello how are you rather than just waving a piece of paper in front of someone's face saying have you done my data yet which is the kind of thing that I hear fairly regularly and just understanding that it's there are systemic issues rather than it's a personal weakness and what can we do to support each other and that collective efficacy so we're not on our own it's around solidarity and supporting each other and particularly in relation to, to CSI and the exposure to others' trauma, it is around having opportunities to offload that and process your emotions in a safe environment where you're not going to be judged. Well, thank you. So if we leave this on a positive note that the profession cares, we do care about each other, we care about our children, sometimes we care too much, which leads to some of the issues that we've been exploring on this podcast. But I think it's really sort of symptomatic of what it means to be a professional right now is to be part of a community that is doing its very, very best. And um, I personally cannot speak highly enough of teachers. And I know that's something that, you know, a, a view that we all share that actually you're doing a brilliant job in the classroom. You're doing a brilliant job as a leader. You're doing the very best that you can. And I hope very much that we've shared some strategies and also provided some insights during this podcast that can help you sort of think well maybe that's why I'm feeling like I'm feeling maybe that's why I do need to just take a break and go for a walk with the dog this evening instead of marking more books or maybe I do need to sit and talk to a friend about what's happened to me today giving yourself being kind to yourself as well as kind to others I think is probably the note that we'll end on but thank you so much um thank you so much Rachel for sharing your research it's it's been hugely insightful I'm sure we will share, share links um, with this podcast so that um, any of the authors that have been mentioned during the, the recording you can follow up with and read more if you wish. If you have enjoyed today's episode and would like to access more research evidence for your classroom you can join the Charter College of Teaching for as little as $1.96 per month at www.chartered.college and remember to download TeacherTap free from your app or Play Store to share your views, opinions and experiences from the classroom. Every voice makes the picture clearer.